You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. We're continuing in our atonement series. And um, this week we are on reconciliation. We learned last week... Uh, We deserve death, but there's a sacrifice. Next week, Lord willing, Pastor Robbie will be back teaching us about uh, the wrath of God that was uh, taken by his son, Jesus Christ, in propitiation. Uh, But this week, we look at reconciliation. Atonement number two, we were separated, reconciliation. Now, just by way of reminder of a definition of atonement, we put this up last week. We want to go over this again. The work Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. This is what he does for us. We have a problem. We need saving. This is the work of Jesus. This is the atonement. And so this is what we're going to learn this morning. And the result of the atoning work of Jesus Christ is reconciliation. That we were separated from God, but we can be brought near to him. Colossians chapter 1. You almost there? Almost there? Good. We're going to read this together. And I would add that as we understand the powerful truth of what it means to be reconciled to God, it causes our hearts and our minds to be filled with a love and a wonder and an awe of God. Not just because all of eternity is now changed but also because he's at work in our lives right now changing stuff. And so let me read Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, and then we will jump into it. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. You can see there at the beginning of verse 21, he says that we are alienated, sorry, it's a big word, alienated and hostile in mind. You probably didn't think you were coming to church to get called an alien this morning, right? This is our relationship status with God apart from Jesus Christ, though. Alienated, far off, not close to him. And this is the power of reconciliation because then that's gone. You are close to him. You aren't far off anymore. You are actually welcomed into the presence of God for all eternity because of the work of Jesus. This is the power of reconciliation. This is what atonement does. It's awesome. We go from being alienated to reconciled. And so it's my prayer that as we go into this now, you will see the power of reconciliation and it will cause your understanding of where you're at with God to be more accurate. Whether you are are reconciled or not, you will understand better where your position with God is. And then secondly, that it would cause your affection and love to grow for the one who can bring you to himself. So three powers of reconciliation. Let me just give you the first one. This is point one this morning. I was hostile to God, my past position. This is the power of reconciliation, that we were hostile to God, but it's our past position. We're not like that anymore. If you look at the beginning of verse 21, Paul says, and you. He's talking to some people specifically, 
followers of Jesus Christ. And we know this because in the previous verses, from verses 15 through 20, Paul has been, uh, if you look at verse 15, you probably have a little uh, heading in your Bible there. It says something like the preeminence of Christ. For the last few verses, Paul has literally been unpacking how awesome, how amazing, how holy, how powerful, how great Jesus is. And then he gets to verse 21 and he goes, and you... There's almost like this contrast. Jesus is awesome, amazing, and you. You, you. Now, he doesn't do it with that kind of condescending tone because look at what comes next. He says, and you who once were, you're not like that anymore. He could very quickly have begun into this, and you were just, but he says, and you once were like this. This is a past tense thing. You are no longer in this position if you have put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. He has atoned for your sin. You are not stuck dead there as a hostile alien doing evil deeds before God anymore, but you are reconciled and welcome to his presence through the work of Jesus. That's an awesome truth for us this morning. But listen, that's where we were. And every follower of Jesus Christ needs to never forget that, that we were far off, but he has brought us near. We were, look at the word there, alienated. That means estranged. Our relationship was God, with God was broken. It is not how it was meant to be. In fact, if you were here in our past sermon series, you know that we've kind of walked through this over the last little while. God set things up in this perfect kingdom. Remember that? That was like week one, like 10 weeks ago now. But God set it up in this great relationship with him. Now, the word reconciled means to be brought back. So he set our whole relationship up with him. This is like Genesis. Right at the very beginning, he makes Adam and Eve. But something happens that causes us to be estranged from God, separated from him in this place where we need to be brought back. Now, just by a way of quiz to see how many of us were paying attention in the last series. You didn't know these quizzes were going to keep going. This is an easy one. You got this, okay? It all happened. It, the, the, the pattern of the kingdom was broken. I'll try and use the exact words so you know, okay? And the, the kingdom perished in a specific spot in Scripture, in Genesis. Now, we got grade fours and fives in the series, in the sermon this week. Hopefully they know this. Adults, I hope you know this. I'm going to count to three, and then we're all going to say, Genesis, what chapter it was that the, the parish kingdom happened, okay? One, two, three, Genesis Good. All right. You got it. We know this. We know when the fall happened. And that fall, the fall of sin, when sin enters into all of humanity, now we are estranged from God. We are separated from his presence. And by participating in human nature, we are inherently sinful. We are stuck. We are alienated and hostile in mind, continually doing evil deeds. Apart from the work of Jesus, look what the verse says. And you who once were this way. We once were this way. We were alienated. Romans 8 verse 7 describes our attitude and actions prior to Christ. Romans 8 7 says that the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Apart from Jesus Christ, listen to this. Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That does not sound good. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is just straight open hostility to God. 
Apart from Jesus Christ, this is all of us. And look what verse 21 there in Colossians 1 goes on to say, and we were doing evil deeds. Our sinful nature, then, our inner hostility leads to attitudes and actions that before God are evil. They are wrong. They rebel against his holiness. Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But again, brothers and sisters, look at the beginning of verse 21. And you who once were. This is the power of reconciliation. That we're not stuck there anymore. We're not stuck as hostile aliens towards God anymore, but we are welcomed as his children into his presence. This is our new reality. We are no longer in this spot. The question is, is that true for you? Have you been reconciled? Is hostile attitude and actions and evil deeds towards God a past thing for you? For the follower of Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves this question as well. Because it's easy for us to sit back and kind of be like, well, you know, how hostile am I to God? That sounds a little bit aggressive, Pastor. Let me read you a verse from Romans chapter 3. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Well, that covers everybody. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. If there was a question of the amount of hostility that we had towards God, let it be cleared up by these verses here rebellious to God, opposed to him. Look at this quote that I came across this week. I love this. I wanted to share it with you. The only thing of my very own which I contribute to my redemption is the sin from which I need to be redeemed. The only thing that you and I bring is the problem. And this is why the solution is awesome. This is why the finished work of Jesus on our behalf is such an amazing thing, because he reconciles us to himself. He fixes the problem. The thing is, you and I sit back with this kind of and you attitude with everybody else in the world. We kind of have this often moral superiority. Well, I'm saved in Jesus Christ, but you are a horrible person. Now, maybe we would never articulate it that, like that, but that's how we often act and think and treat people. This week, I was, I'm a little bit of like a, a history geek, and I've been reading these different books, and I was learning about this battle that had taken place and all these horrific and atrocious things that had happened. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, these were some exceptionally evil people. And it took about four seconds before the Lord was like, oh, yeah, you're better than them? And just conviction well done. And I was horrified at the atrocities that were committed in this war. Listen, our sin is horrifying to God. But what we do is we kind of begin to say, well, your, you know, your actions were worse to other people. than my, mine, weren't, mine weren't so horizontally as affecting others as yours were. Your, your horizontal attitudes and actions, these people in history, they did, they did more harm to others than I. I've only harmed a few people around me. Listen, any and all of it is complete rebellion to God's perfect and holy standard of what he calls us to live for. So if you've harmed lots or few, you have rebelled against God. It is hostility to his perfect plan and for his glory. This is why David writes in Psalm 51, God, against you and you only have I sinned. All of these horizontal things, all of the hurt that he caused other people, there it's bad. But the thing that makes it bad is that it is rebellion to God's perfect plan for him, his, his life. You and I, in our sin, we are hostile to God's plan for us. We rebel against him in disobedience. But this is what makes atonement awesome. 
This is why reconciliation is so powerful, is we are not stuck in that place anymore through the finished work of Jesus Christ for us. If this is you, brother and sister, this morning, listen, you were alienated. It is a past position, but you have been brought near. Reconciliation is amazing. My question for you, though, is, are you reconciled? Are you forgiven of your sin? Has the atoning work of Jesus been received by you for your sin that you are made right with God? It can be this morning. You can, maybe when you write that point down, it's not true. What you, like, I was hostile, past position. Maybe it's not a past position for you. You haven't entrusted your salvation in the finished work of Jesus. And you need to this morning. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to reconcile you. This is why he sends his son, Jesus. I say to students all the time, you don't die for people that you like, you die for people that you love. This is what God, this is how he cares about us. He loves us so much that he sends his son that you can have life, that you can have forgiveness, that your sins can be atoned for, that you can be reconciled to him. Now, maybe you're here right now and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You have been reconciled to God. But you're, even as I'm speaking, you're hearing about hostility and you're like, yeah, I'm in the family, but I'm often disobedient. My sins are forgiven. They're atoned for by the work of Jesus, but, but I'm still struggling with hostile actions and attitudes and, and struggling with evil deeds. Hear this, brother and sister. Romans 2 says his love and kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. He wants us to know how much he loves us. He wants us to know how much he cares. He wants us to know from how far out we've been grabbed to be brought back in and reconciled that our love and our affection and our wonder will result in obedience and worship and glory to him. But that doesn't happen if we sit back on this moral superiority of I'm better than everybody else. The reality is that all of us, apart from Jesus Christ, we are hostile to God. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is no longer your position before him. But often what happens, sadly, is that we walk back into hostile behavior. We're in the family. It's no longer a seat of judgment, but it's a seat of the Father who wants to correct and love and care for us. This is our past position. Now, Paul, he goes on now to contrast this with Jesus Christ himself. And the the work of atonement summed up in verse 22. And and here, again, we see the love of God poured out, the love that so loved us that he sent his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look at verse 22. He has now reconciled us in the body of his flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Here's the second power of reconciliation. I'm presented holy to God, my current reality. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, This is you. Look at those first two words in verse 22. They are awesome. He has. He has. Not you, not me. The only thing we bring is the problem. He has. He is the solution. Psalm 130 verse 3 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? None of us is the answer. None of us. He has to do this. Now, I love the tense there. He has. Past tense. This is a finished work of Jesus. Finished work. Look at these verses on the screen here for us to remind us of this. For while we were still weak, were, were, while we, like this already happened. 
While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God shows his love for us in that while we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, this is like the whole atonement right there, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. How good, how awesome, how sweet is that? That he has done this thing to present us holy before him. Listen, Christ follower, this is you. Before God, you are now holy. You got to circle the words alienated in verse 21 and reconciled in verse 22 and just draw a line. Because how awesome is it that it only took like 20 words and all of a sudden the whole reality can be changed. You go from alienated to reconciled all. Now look what happens. This is how it happens in his body of flesh by his death. We learned about this last week. The blood of lambs was not enough. God had to send his son because we have this miracle that's needed. Come down from heaven. You got to fix this. No earthly solution. And God does in his son, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, in his body of flesh by his death, he takes the punishment for sin that you and I justly deserve. Now, check this out. Being fully God and fully man, he can lay down his life and take it up again so that we can know this. That the punishment for the payment of all of our wrongdoing, the penalty of our sin has been paid for through the finished work of Jesus. That is awesome. That is awesome. In order, now look why he does all of this. Again, this is just the love of Jesus being poured out on us here. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Because remember, after Genesis 3, we're stuck over here in sin. But he does all of this now to reconcile us, to bring us back, that we would be, look at the words there, that we would be holy. This means to be separate from sin. As a result of your union with Christ, this is how God sees you. If you were a follower of Jesus Christ because of his atoning work, he sees you as holy. Now the verse says there that he is presenting us holy, this is the work that God is doing in our lives. It's the now and the not yet. Now before God, he sees us as holy. And in this life, not yet, we're, we're, we're still growing on our holiness path. You can see it there in the next couple words. Uh, holy and blameless. The pure spotless lamb has no spots of sin on it. And in our lives, as followers of Jesus, over time, he is getting rid of the spots of sin in our lives. He's getting rid of the things that we can be blamed for. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, hopefully this week, you've grown holier than you were two months ago. And hopefully two months ago, you've grown holier than you were three years ago. And in a few years from now, God will continue. And, and listen, while we're here on earth, we will never be fully perfect, although that's how God sees us, because of Jesus. That's amazing. That's awesome that he has done this to reconcile us to him, to make us holy before him. How good is this? And why does he do this? He does this because he loves us. Look at the series graphic here for just a minute. I love this. I don't know if you've been able to read from the back what it says here in the middle, but I'll read it for you. It says, where love and justice meet. Think about that statement for a second. The love that God has for you, that he cares for you so much that he wants to have a relationship with you. But he can't because of sin. And Paul has just contrasted holy, perfect God with sinful man. 
And because of our sin, we cannot approach God. We cannot be in his presence. There is a penalty for sin. There are consequences for sin. And he can't just overlook that because he's perfect. That's the justice part of it. That's the justice of Jesus taking the wrath of God. And we're going to learn about this more next week. In our place. And so the the atonement, the work of Jesus on the cross, is his love, his desire to be with us, and his willingness to atone for our sin, to make just the penalty that we deserve. How sweet is that? All that he can present us to himself, that we can be reconciled to him, that we don't have to be far off from him anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is our reality in Jesus Christ. So I wrote down two things that I need to do more because I am presented holy before God because of the work of Jesus Christ, and I hope these are helpful for you. The first one that I need to do more is stop condemning myself because of my sin. Jesus has already taken all of the penalty. Now, that doesn't mean that I sit back with a license to sin and say, well, he's already done this for me. No, no, no. This means that I allow for godly grief in my life to come and to well up and to hate that sin. But I'm not sitting back saying, well, you know, Jesus died for all my sin, but then I was really bad. Well, he died for all your past, present, and future sin. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, all of it's been atoned for. Stop walking with the weight of condemnation on you anymore. In Christ there is therefore now no condemnation because Jesus has taken it for us. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we can sit back and just be okay with sin. What it means is we should see our sin, hate it more because we know how much God loves us and what he did where love and justice met to take care of our sin, it should cause us to then want to live for him. There's this freeing that comes to say, okay, you have forgiven me in this. But then it leads to then what's, what's happening in the rest of this verse, this presented as holy. So I got to stop condemning myself, but I also need to become more like Christ. Actively and intentionally getting sin, getting hostile behaviors and thoughts and attitudes and actions out of my life in increasing measure that I would be more presented to God, holy and blameless, I have uh, four kids, and um, again, this week, I know it's going to be a surprise, they weren't perfect. <laughs> and there are times when you have to come alongside them and correct them and discipline them. Why, and parents, we do this because we're trying to mold them into something <laughs> better than what the, what's happening right now. We're trying to help them grow in obedience and respect and all of these different things. Listen, this is what our Heavenly Father is doing with us. We are in the family. There's no, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't get kicked out of, you're in the family. And now he is working. Now, this is what's so awesome and amazing about this is it's not just something that he does for a little while until you're like 19 and you move out. Until you meet him someday. He is working in us to grow us, to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This is the power of reconciliation presented to God as holy. Listen to this. We become then in life, in our practice, what we already are before God. Our lives are changing as we become and grow more holy because of the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. Paul goes on. 
And he says this, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. He kind of wraps this up with, you know, where you've been, you know where you are. Now look, this is where you're going. This is the power of reconciliation number three. I continue in hope to God, my future, my future security. This is your reality, Christ follower. This is your reality, Christian. This is your reality, person who has put your faith and trust in Jesus for the atoning work of your sin, that you will be with God in heaven someday. Your future is secure. Now, Paul says there, if you're studious, which I hope we all are in here, look at verse 23. He says, if indeed. Now, it would be easy to sit back and say, well, isn't that sound kind of conditional? that I have to do something then? But that's not the tone of which Paul is writing. A one author, Warren Wearsby, he wrote, we are not saved by continuing in faith, but, conti- but we continue in faith and thus prove we are saved. It's almost like Paul is saying, assuming that you continue in faith, because then it'll be evident to everybody else. If indeed you continue in faith, because then we'll all know that it's genuine and real, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting. Now look at this. This is the key to this whole part here. The hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. What is the gospel? This is the atoning work of Jesus. This is Jesus coming down to earth and dying on a cross and taking the punishment for sin that you and I justly deserve. Now what are we supposed to do with that? The verse says we are to say steadfast, uh, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. That stable and steadfast means we are firmly fixed. Not shifting from it means we're not giving in to other kind of things or teachings. This is something that Paul addresses in almost every one of his letters. In some way, he talks about like staying the course of the gospel. Why was that? Because there were so many people who were twisting the gospel in Paul's day. Listen, there's so many people doing that now. you got to believe in Jesus and no. That's not how it works. The atonement, period. The finished work of Jesus on your behalf and mine. That is the hope of the gospel. If it's dependent on me, then I got nothing. No hope, all fear. But listen, that's not the reality because Jesus has already done for us what we could not do for ourselves. This is the hope of the gospel. Hope, that'd be a good name for a church, right? (laughs) Yep. Okay, I want to give us kind of a definition of the hope of the gospel, something for us to think about then. Here it is. It is the faithful certainty. This is, this is the hope here. It's, it's going to happen. It is our, we, we hold on to this faithful certainty of a right, intimate relationship with God. This is reconciliation with God because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. That's atonement. That's the hope of the gospel. Is this what we hold on to? Is this what we're clinging to? Or do we sometimes fall prey like the people that Paul was writing to into this plus you got to do this, this, and this? Or you need to do... It's the finished work of Jesus. Faithful certainty. Because it's not like he did it accidentally. Or you might get... No, no, no. He did it so that you can be saved in the right intimate relationship with God because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. This is the hope of the gospel that we have, that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him... Listen, this is our reality now. We might become the righteousness of God. In our union with Christ, we are now righteous and holy before God. 
But we have to be careful that we don't get sidetracked into doing other things. It all comes down to our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the other things are good because the other things give evidence. That's what Paul is saying there. If indeed you continue, it'll be evident to people. But see, here's what happens often. Uh, I want you to imagine over here you've got like a wing of a plane just lying on the ground. It's a wing by itself. This wing of the plane is words about Jesus. I love Jesus. He's my savior. I'm forgiven of my sin. Great and wonderful words. On the other side, on the ground over here, you've got another wing, and this wing is, is good behavior. We'll call it good deeds. We might even call it things that God is pleased with, obedience to him. But listen, if you, all you've got is good deeds and good behavior before God, and you don't have faith in Jesus, well, that's not enough. And if all you have is words that come out of your mouth, listen, both wings need to be connected to the body of the plane, right? And the, at the center, at the core, the thing that holds it together, that makes it run, is faith in the finished work of Jesus. The good works are wonderful. They're pleasing to God. They, give, they bear fruit that, that Jesus has done a work in our lives. And our words give, give glory to God and the testimony of what he has done. But it comes back to faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ for your sin. Faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Faith, the hope of the gospel. That what God has done for you has forgiven you. And this should cause our lives then to be different. If we were hostile, but we are now presented holy, and we have this hope that we live through life with, our lives need to be different. And I came across this this week. This is the hope-driven life. I love this. I know sometimes people take pictures in the service. This is a great one to take a picture of, okay? I'll step out of the way if you can take the picture. All right. The hope-driven life. Listen, it's the mind, the heart, and the will. The mind feeding on Christ and his word. The heart focused on God and his love for us. The will following the pattern of Christ has given to us. Okay, so let's, let's go through these a little slower. So the hope-driven life, hope in the finished work of Jesus for us. What does that look like in our life? It looks then like feeding on Christ, getting in his word, coming to church, getting in some sort of group where you can grow in Jesus Christ. I love this word feeding. On weekends, we come here and we feast together on the word of God, amen? amen? Every week, it's wonderful, it's so good. But listen, if you only ate once a week, you'd starve. That's the reality. And so we need to not just feed on Christ and his word when we come here in this great feast, but every day we need to be feeding on, getting in God's word. And on our website, there's resources that can help you do that. And there are people out of the connections that could help you with that. Well, listen, this needs to be, if we have the hope of the certainty of the gospel that we are with God, we need to be feeding on Christ and his word. We need to be changing our mind. We also need to be changing our heart. This is the focus of our life is on God and his love for us. How do we do this? Through worship is the best way. Worship music subliminally messaging yourself by always listening to music that affirms the holiness and the glory of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Are we doing this though? Are we, are we intentional about our mind and our heart? Are we allowing other things to feed our mind and our heart? Because if we're feeding our mind on Christ and his word and we're focusing on God's love for us, listen, this last one just begins to happen a lot easier. 
We follow the pattern that Christ has given us to walk in holiness and not in hostility a lot easier because we understand who he is and what he has done and how he loves us. And our affection for him just grows. It just begins to explode from our lives. And this is then the hope-driven life that we can live because we know we were far off, but we've been brought near. God has done this great thing in his mercy and his kindness. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, this is your reality today. You are no longer viewed as hostile. You are living this life of hope because you know that before God, you are holy before him. How sweet is that? This is the power of reconciliation in our lives. This is the atonement for us, for our sin. The work that Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection on our behalf to reconcile us to him. My question, though, is, is this you? Have you been reconciled to God? Or maybe you're still at point one. You're alienated from God because of your sin. You have not by faith in Jesus Christ received an atoning work for your sin. Loved one, this morning God is saying, I care. That's why I sent Jesus. Be reconciled to me. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads and close our eyes right now. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in the room right now, this is an opportunity for you to pray. But if you are not, if your sin has not been atoned for, if you have not been reconciled to God, listen, the Lord is speaking to you this morning, I pray, by his spirit and saying, come, no longer be far off, but be brought near by the work of my son, Jesus Christ. And here's how it happens. I'm going to say it twice because I want you to listen the first time. And then if, if it's the Lord stirring in your heart to respond the second, you come to him and you can do this right where you are. I'm not going to get you to stand up or move around or anything. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you just, you confess your sin before God. You lay it before him and admit, God, I have sin. I have sinned and I am separated from you and I need your son Jesus to forgive me. And then if you, you understand this work that you have sinned and that he has forgiven you, then you commit to him with your life and say, God, I want to live for you. And if that's you, let me go through it one more time and you can just pray this right now where you sit and just, just confess your sin to God. Admit your blatant open hostility and your alienation from him because of sin. And tell him you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Tell him you're putting your faith and trust in him because you know you can't do it and you need his son. Tell him that you want to live for him with your life. If that's you, you have been reconciled to God this morning. How sweet is that? But maybe you're here and you are already reconciled to God. You are in the family. But even as I speak, you're thankful for your reconciliation, but you can recognize continued hostility in your life. Areas that you continue to wander back into sin that you know God is not pleased with. Christ follower, your sin has been atoned for. Jesus loves you. But recognize that sin that you may repent of it and come to him right now where you sit and just say, God, this is the hostile behavior that I've been walking with in my life. I don't want it anymore. I want to grow in holiness. I don't want to live hostile anymore. I have hope of the gospel. Help me, please. 
with confidence, knowing that he listens to you, he cares, he wants to grow you, to present you holy and blameless before himself. This is the power of reconciliation, that God doesn't leave you there. That your sin is atoned for, Christ follower. Love him. This is the good news of the gospel. This is atonement. This is the finished work of Jesus on our behalf by which we can be reconciled to him. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the hope of the gospel, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we are not stuck in our sin, but there is a way to be forgiven. And God, I pray for those in this room who this morning have understood that they need to be reconciled, maybe for the first time, and maybe they have been reconciled this morning, God, that you would give them such peace and such confidence and such joy in knowing what you have done for them. And God, I pray for the Christ followers in this room, and myself included, God, that we would be more and more evident of hostile behavior in our life, God, that we know we're forgiven of, but, but that needs to go as you work in us to present us holy. God, thank you that you do this work. Thank you that you reconcile. Thank you that you fix. Thank you that you have made a solution for our impossible problem of sin in the atoning, reconciling work of your son, Jesus. So it's in his name we pray. In the name of your son and our savior and our only hope, in Jesus' name, amen.